0: Global Connections Television is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guests. We invite you to go to the website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous shows. If you're involved with a PBS or community access television station, or an educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup, or perhaps a podcast or just a
1: computer and would like to share the programs, please feel free to do so. Global Connections is provided at no cost to help people in the U.S. and worldwide better understand how international
0: issues impact our lives.
1: Welcome to today's Global Connections program. I'm Bill Miller. Why is it important to learn more about people in other parts of the world? Why do we need to find out what issues they're dealing with and how we can cooperate to deal with these problems together? My guest today is an expert in this area, Ms. Xiao Yan Zhao is the Executive Director of the World Affairs Council of Kentucky and Southern Indiana. In addition to the international exchange programs operated by the Council, Xiao Yan is oversees dozens of programs and events that brought top diplomats, experts, and authors to the Kentucky-Anna region, providing the community an opportunity for in-depth discussions on current global issues. Yang Zhao, welcome to today's Global Connections program.
0: Thanks for having me, Bill. It's nice to be back.
1: Great. Yeah, I appreciate you being with me. We haven't done this for years, and I I know there are a lot of new developments, especially in the World Affairs Council, but let's just start off with a very basic question. The World Affairs Council of Kentucky and Southern Indiana, uh, when was it formed? Why was it formed? What's your basic mission? Sure.
0: Sure. Well, you know, the World Affairs Council has been around for 35 plus years now. It was uh, formally established back in 1985 um, by under the name of Louisville International Cultural Center which is our predecessor. Um, Back I think in the uh, 2000s, uh, mid 2000s or so, we had a name change to our current organization, the World Affairs Council. So we've had 30 plus years of history. When it started, it was really uh, started. uh, It actually started at University of uh, Louisville, I believe. And when uh, the university uh, decided not to keep it there, a number of people who were involved with the exchange programs um, and all of these international types of um, uh, efforts, they decided to keep the program going. And that's how they came to form the organization as a separate. Nonprofit five hundred one c three organization. So that's how it began, and the idea has always been: um, how do we connect Kentucky, which um, you know back then it's not nearly as global as it is now, with all of the international uh, happenings and people, kind of uh, create that people to people culture exchange, and uh, so through that premise, it's kind of evolved to today, which you know that that underlying mission of connecting people from different communities, uh, different parts of the world with our Louisville and really Kentucky because we program for Kentucky and Southern Indiana um, and bring people together for peer-to-peer professional exchanges, but also to bring people who are experts and diplomats, these people that are really in big cities to come to our cities, our communities and talk about international issues. So that's the idea of giving our local communities an opportunity to connect um, th- through these professional, cultural, and educational uh, ways um, so that we're not really isolated in our own little communities, our own little bubbles, uh, so to speak.
1: Mm-hmm. Now you're a member of the World Pharaohs Council of America uh, mm-hmm. and there are many other organizations around the United States that, you're, that are your counterparts. Uh, you're a 501C3 operation, as I recall. And the website is worldkentucky.org. Are you also a membership organization? Can people join?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, Like many of the World Affairs Councils uh, within this network, we have about 80 or so scattered throughout the United States. Um, We have... We are a membership based organization, but we are not member exclusive in programs. So uh, we members support our mission, uh, but they also get benefits from attending our programs, um, having special opportunities, uh, invitation exclusive opportunities to engage. Uh, But membership is a a source of revenue for us kind of support more than anything. Um, But it really brings people who have that similar international outlook. And uh, interest together uh, within you know the community to uh, you know to kind of share their experiences and their knowledge and also to hear about what's what's happening. So we are a membership organization. We are part of this larger organization of uh, World Affairs Councils, but we're also part of these two other national networks. One is the Global Ties U.S., which supports our international exchange programming, uh, many of them through the U.S. Department of State. And then we're also recently joined uh, in the Sister Cities International Network because we uh, also absorbed the Louisville Sister Cities uh, programs just since uh, July of last year. So we're actually, we're locally situated, but we are Uh, part of these larger national and international networks that really kind of opens up all the opportunities and uh, resources for us to bring the international to the local uh, communities that we, we operate in.
1: Well, you've you've already identified the the categories and we'll briefly touch on them right now. Let's talk about one that uh, a lot of COVID has slowed us down a lot, obviously. But anyway, you had the, uh, or you do have the Global Citizenship Education Program. Briefly, what is that and why is it important to bring students into it to learn more about international issues and people in other parts of the world?
0: Sure. So the Global Citizenship Program has been around for a couple of years. Um, It's now a two-year hands-on global learning experience for high school students, uh, but mainly sophomores, uh, freshmen and sophomores, because we really want the students to to start this early on in their high school journey. Um, It allows high school students really that opportunity to investigate the diversity in their local communities where they live. Um, uh, how to communicate with diverse audiences and also participate in service work that connects to global issues. Um, so we, uh, we, ha- we open our applications in the fall of every year. Uh, students register for the program through a very short application form online. And we also offer waivers um, on this uh, the fees to students who demonstrate need. But the idea of this is really, how can we be much more inclusive of the youth in our, you know, in this generation to be more concerned, be more uh, competent in how they interact in a global setting. And I think that's especially important in, you know, states like Kentucky where we're not obviously connected. uh, We don't have a huge international presence, whether it's through business or some of those those other uh, exchanges. So for us, it's about how do we, bring this global competency, this importance of how to be a global citizen to the students in this state so that we're not always left behind in some ways, right? That students can be um, competent and ready and prepared to really succeed in a global community. Um, and that's, that's what this goal is really about. How do we get them prepared in languages and cultural awareness, sensitivity, empathy, and also for them to really truly understand the intersections between the global and local concerns, and that's what we think of as global citizens.
1: Mm-hmm. That's extremely important, and mm-hmm. you talk about how Kentucky years ago was uh, viewed back during the 60s, 70s, what have you, sort of a rural state to a large degree, which it's no longer that, it's changed quite dramatically. And a lot of people say this because Toyota Motor Corporation, which right. brought here, but primarily by then governor Martha Lane Collins to Kentucky really turned Kentucky into an international entity. And today we see thousands of other small businesses that tie into Toyota's plant in Georgetown. You see Ford Motor has a major operation of, Pickup truck plant in Louisville. UPS's hub is well; it's a central hub in the world. is located yeah. in Louisville, and they send jets out every night all over the world. So Kentucky has changed quite dramatically, has it not?
0: It has. I mean, that's exactly it. Like as you point out, um, we're much globally connected through commerce, um, and the world hub, uh, the world port, the hub, uh, you know, really puts us at the center of all of that. Um, and then uh, certainly the many manufacturing businesses that's here, uh, trade is, we were one of the fastest growing trading uh, uh, states in the country. Um, so we're actually a lot more global than we are, but it doesn't necessarily translate in our education. That's right. Uh, students, you know, we're still grappling with some, you know, some of the basic issues of, of learning, uh, which is something that I'm sure many, many communities do. but. The, the trick is really how do you bring all students, lift them up in those basic ways while still keeping up with the latest you know, needs that we as a global community need to have for our students in order for them to excel, not just catch up, but how do you get, move them even further along? And that's, you know, that's something that I think um, we, we can do better. And uh, you know, I think the new administration and state um, education uh, I I feel good that they're they're moving in that direction. So it's really for organizations like us to provide some ideas and models um, to help them along in that way. Mm-hmm.
1: And of course, two of the uh, the last statistics I saw, and this may these may have changed, but uh, I won't dwell on the international trade. But the two, one of the two, well, two of the largest exports, one was aerospace engines, which yes. I found very interesting. <laughs> Second, of course, world famous Kentucky whiskey, Kentucky yes. bourbon and Kentucky today still supplies 95% of all of the bourbon whiskey in the world even though every state in the United States and many countries have their own brewery or distilleries I should say and but Kentucky still they had a I guess Kentucky had a 200 year head start on producing bourbon so that's what kept it going
0: and also the water, isn't
1: it? It's, isn't, isn't the water the... Uh... That's right, the limestone in <laughs> the water. You're absolutely... The right. water. That's true. Well, we better move quickly here. We're not going to get through all these, thanks to me, <laughs> <getting> <laughs> off track. But uh, one of the main functions you've provided over the years is to bring in really knowledgeable speakers on a wide range of topics. Uh, just give us a flavor of some of the speakers you've had, be it an amb- ambassadors or uh, CEOs or whomever. And what were their topics, uh, very briefly?
0: Sure. Um, we have, you know, we uh, our speaker program is usually one per month, and um, in some years we've brought in some really top top uh, diplomats uh, to the region, but every single one of the programs for those people who participate in uh, our speaker programs have said that they're all experts in their subject areas and really gives us an opportunity to kind of delve deeper into an issue beyond the headlines, what we say. So, um, you know, some of the biggest ones we've had before my time was uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, of course, and Christian Amapur, Colin Powell. but more recently you know we have had uh, ambassador Zelme Clozon a couple years ago who at the time had not been designated a an envoy or um, a special high representative for for the. US um, with the peace talks in uh, Afghanistan, but he had already served in those capacities prior to the last administration. And he came and uh, he was talking about his his time and ha- his journey to becoming where he, uh, wh- where he is. And uh, that was an amazing program. He's a super down-to-earth person. And uh, we really enjoyed hosting him. We also hosted the uh, first Cuban ambassador to the US in over 50 years, uh, Jose Campañas in 2017. And that was right before we had the Derby. Um, It was a huge uh, visit, and that was, of course, right after uh, we had kind of somewhat normalized relations with Cuba uh, under uh, President Obama's administration. So those are some of them. Now, recently in the COVID era, we've been holding monthly speaker programs, and we've had quite a number of experts on uh, Russia, on Saudi Arabia, on uh, Iran. Uh, These, of course, are all of the big uh, regional security kind of uh, issues and uh, countries that we're dealing with uh past administration, uh, administration and especially now in this new administration. So um, we just try to really look forward and where we are and anticipate what are going to be the big global issues and big kind of hot spots around the world that we want our citizens, our members to really learn more about. And as you probably know, some of those, those issues don't change very much over time. So we've always been really right on point uh, when we have a program on what is happening at that moment in our you know, national dialogue. So um, you know, it's just a service that we provide and it's a niche that we provide because I think, you know, the Board of Affairs Councils really try to be that space where we can educate and inform the public about some of the, the big issues that, that exist in, in the world.
1: Well, you're watching Global Connections Television, which is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guest. We'd invite our viewers to go to our website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous programs. Also, if you're involved with a PBS or community access television station, or perhaps you're with an educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup, or you're with a, you have a podcast or you're, uh, you just have a computer and you like our shows and you want to share them, please feel free to do so. Global Connections Television is provided at no cost as a public service to help us better understand international issues and how they impact our lives. Today, we're taking a look at a very unique institution that is working on a daily basis to help people better understand international issues. My guest today is Shoyan Zhao, who is the Executive Director of the World Affairs Council of Kentucky and Southern Indiana. Shoyan, we're talking about all the really wonderful services that you provide and you were talking about the the, the speakers that you get on a monthly basis or whatever. Can people tap into them now by Zoom? I know you're not holding in-person meetings. Can they do that if they go to your website?
0: Absolutely, we've been very active uh, during this time. And as you probably know, you know, the this whole Zoom and technology, webcasting technology has allowed us to uh, engage more people because they don't have to travel. They don't have to, you know, really plan far ahead. So we've been having regular programs. You can go to our website, worldkentucky.org. We have a virtual programs and uh, you know the speaker programs. So you have them once a month. We also connect people in other programming. And I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later, but through our sister cities, um, how do we connect people from these different things? So people can absolutely access them. Uh, they're all for the most part free um, for people to join.
1: Very good, great. And- Great entree into sister cities. Let's uh, we'll move into that right now. And of course, as I recall, I think President Dwight Eisenhower back in the 50s created the Sister Cities program, the people-to-people-to-program, and the Adams for Peace too seems to ring a bell or something like that. And of course, the United Nations International Atomic Energy Agency was a spin-off or a counterpart of that that came online later. But uh, what what uh, just an overview? What is the Sister Cities International? program and how does that tie into Louisville and into your operation?
0: Sure. Uh, so sister city is really a city to city relationship that is agreed upon by city government mayor, usually head of, uh, head of the city government uh, or other Metro councils in some cities. Um, it's a relationship that really seeks to connect cities, people of uh, you know, the sister cities in a much more meaningful and sustainable way through various types of exchanges um, across different sectors of society. So many of these occur within the education space, whether it's from grade school or to um, many university collaborations. Um, Arts and culture, so performing arts, uh, that type of programming exchange. Um, but also business and maybe city government uh, issues, right? Uh, how do you deal with planning infrastructure? So it really runs the whole gamut of, of the different types of things that cities all deal with. So it's usually around a co- some kind of a commonality um, and, or just an interest to know more about that city. Um, and they are started usually by someone within a city that has a tie to another city and see some some possible collaborations. Um, so we have about nine cities in Louisville, Kentucky. Every city can start a city. They uh, they go through the Sister Cities International, who coordinates kind of which cities have a sister city. And usually, if they uh, if you want to create a city with a with a country a city in a country that you're really interested in, you wanna see, do they already have a sister city in, in the US? If not, then you can start that conversation. Um, so our sister cities have uh, been around for, the oldest one is Montpellier. I believe that one has been, it was established many, many years ago. I wanna say the fifties or even as far as that long ago. And um, many of, uh, we also, we have basically one city for every continent, except Australia. <laughs> <laughs> haven't made it that <laughs> far yet, uh, but we have one, uh, we have a Tamale in Africa, Ghana, we have Quito in Ecuador, La Plata in Argentina, we've got Mainz in Germany, um, Turkey, uh, China, and uh, England, France, and Russia, Perm. So these are all cities where we, our, our mayors have at different times in history, um, agreed to have more deeper Uh, relationships uh, with each other and provide some kind of a, you know, resource. I don't mean like not necessarily financial, sometimes financial, but mostly support for greater collaboration. Mm -hmm.
1: And that's remarkable. Louisville, as I recall, is the metro area is about a million people and to have nine sister cities programs, that is remarkable. (laughs) That is it's three, a lot. They're large cities with three, five, ten million people who don't have that many sister cities programs. That's that's quite an accomplishment.
0: Well, it is, but I will say, you know, a lot. It's a lot of cities, and um, over time, uh, they're not all going to be as active. There's uh, some of them do not have any kind of ongoing programming. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when we took over the programs just last year. Um, part of that was because the the whole Sister City program has been kind of um, inactive in many ways. So when we took it over, our goal is really to how how can we reconnect, reimagine what some of these relationships might be, and where are the best places or areas that we can connect with. So I work really closely with our Louisville City, uh, our office for globalization here, and um, we really try to identify good ways matching the the interests of all of our cities, um, but we don't want to force it, you know, I mean, it's a t- tough time. Um, some Sometimes they will happen organically and sometimes they don't, but it's good to know that if we wanted to do something in one of these cities, there's going to be someone there within that city counterpart who's going to be able to support um, our, our exchange or help us in some manner.
1: That's right. To have the counterpart there is absolutely critical. That's right. Well, in just about the last minute or two, we have, I don't want to overlook your one program, your International Visitors Program. What basically was the thrust of that? And what are some examples of groups just by names only who came to Kentucky or to Louisville and yeah. vice versa?
0: Sure. Um, so our International Visitors programs mostly outbound programs. These are programs that we, for the most part, um, contract with the U.S. Department of State. Um, Most of these are the International Visitor Leadership Program, which is kind of the top premier uh, professional leadership program through the State Department. Um, uh, Really brings in leaders, emerging leaders, established leaders from across the world on a variety of topics and themes. Um, for shared learning. So uh, past programs we've had uh, many of them on economic development, for example, uh, many of them on journalism. We had quite a number of programs uh, with the Edward Morrow program for journalists. Um, We've had law enforcement and forensics exchanges studies uh, from Mexico uh, that comprised of some some, uh, attorney generals there to really learn about the science, criminal science here. Um, Promoting arts. Uh, change through the arts, photojournalism, access to rural communities for justice and, uh, you know, and economic opportunities or health. So these are just kind of a smatter of, you know, types of things that we've uh, programs that we have programmed, we have connected communities with. um, And what happens is that we connect those people who's coming from the different countries with organizations here who do similar work. Uh, they want to learn about. And it's really for them to kind of share best practices, um, challenges, and um, what's great about this program is it, it really kind of brings everything down to a, not just a local level, but the idea that, you know, global issues are local issues, right? I mean, these are issues that every community in every part of the world, are, are facing or and so they can learn from each other about what how do they what are some of the common solutions so we've been doing that for 30 plus years um, and I think we've hosted people from just about every country in the UN
1: <laughs> <laughs> all 193 of them
0: <laughs> I think we may be short a couple but
1: <laughs> not many I'm sure <laughs> not
0: many not many
1: it certainly is no doubt about it well, Shoyan, this is an extremely important program. And again, our viewers can go to your website at www.worldkentucky.org to get more information, to learn about the upcoming speakers, to tap into your Zoom sessions, the ones that are open to the public, and to get involved because you're absolutely right. You summed it up very nicely. We are all in this together. We have to work on these problems together. And we have to learn more about other people, and they need to learn more about us. We see just chasms grand canyons of misunderstanding in this world today within countries and between countries and we certainly need to work on that but shoyan i want to thank you so very much for a very interesting and a very informative program
0: thank you bill it's always nice to talk with uh with you especially on your uh on your show and we hope uh we can uh share out all the stuff that you do as well on our website so worldkentucky.org
1: please do it's all free That's yep. good. again thank you. thank you i'm bill miller thank you for joining us today on global connections television